this is the AT Banter Podcast, a balanced and entertaining look at assistive technology, accessibility, and its importance in people's lives. Join Rob Minot, Ryan Fleury, and Steve Barclay as they banter with people around the world about anything and everything about assistive technology and the disability community. Now, on with the show. Hey, and welcome to another episode of AT Banter. Banter, banter. Uh, hey, my name is Rob Minot, and joining me in the room today, Mr. Ryan Fleury. Good morning. Uh, and Mr. Steve Barkley. I'd like to know why he always gets first billing. <laughs> Actually, that's true. Why did? Why is that? I don't know. I'm the good-looking one. Oh, right. <laughs> Are you really? I thought I was a good looking one. We have to. Uh, I don't know. We'll have to have a legend You're doing the introductions. We can't. We can't. <laughs> podcast meeting. We can't make you any more good looking, Rob. I'll bring that up True. in the podcast meeting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, how are you guys doing? Uh, pretty good. I'm. I'm on fire about this show today. I'm telling you. I've been thinking. I was thinking about it all last night. And um, yeah, I'm I'm re- I'm I'm blown out of a cannon today, guys. Yeah, it's uh, it's a hot button issue. Yeah, well, let's okay. Well, uh, let's just get right into it because I, yep. I don't waste any daylight. Uh, Ryan, tell us what we're doing today. Today we are speaking with Karen McKay from CELA, the Center for Equitable Library Assistance, I think it was, and also Daniela Levy Pinto, who is from NELS, the National Network for Equity equitable library services about the recent announcement from the federal government about their funding being cut this pisses me off so bad I'm telling you. <laughs> I, I, okay so i don't even know where to start with this Can someone else set this up i'm too angry well i mean both of these are, are national library services that are providing alternative format materials to to canadians and uh, uh, the government, in its infinite wisdom, has decided to slash their funding over the next, uh, what is it, three, three four, year, four years? Yeah. Um, until they are not being funded at all by the federal government. $4 million. $4 million, people. Like, the government cannot put in $4 million to this, these services. It's, it's absolutely incredible. So, and to give this some perspective, so I mean, this is the only way that Braille copies of books are being produced. Like, there's, there's, there's really no other service that that provides this, right? Well, it's Braille, it's audio, it's human narrated audio, it's e-text, large print, it's right? Daisy, like it's multiple formats that are being provided to people with print impairments from these two organizations that you can't get anywhere else you you can't like there's there is no you can't just go to the go to chapters and be like yeah i'd like a braille copy of you know this book uh there is no other outlet for this i mean the government did try to do this to these guys back in 2018 right um and of course they blinked immediately uh when there was some public backlash um I'm I'm just I'm stunned at this. You know, for for you know, we how often do we go off on about a braille literacy and we've talked about the Marrakesh Treaty on the show and we've talked about the Accessible Canada Act. I don't know. I I, uh, I when I when I got that email <laughs> last week, I was so I, I couldn't I could not believe this because uh, I mean, there's no, there's no other plan in place. They're just pulling the funding. They're just saying, no, we're not, we're, we're not giving you the money to produce these materials. And you know, I was always on the uh, the CELA website last night, look, taking a look around. And you know, one, there's a stat on the website: one in ten books are produced in alternate formats. One in ten. Hey, you want to hear the? part that's even more galling about this and in terms of uh you know how much this costs us as as canadians as a as a percentage of our federal budget it is 0.001 percent of our federal budget it's a tiny tiny drop in the bucket of the federal budget and uh and and something that's so important to people like how can they cut this of all things yeah 
exactly like braille literacy hello like how how are you going to push braille literacy when no books are being produced in braille like how like what what well and also like you just mentioned the marrakesh treaty we've just recently entered into an agreement where we will share books cross borders with other nations and how are we going to do that if there's no money yeah, this is embarrassing. This is honestly, it this is, is embarrassing yeah. for the government to be doing. Like, this is, I, I can't even. It's shameful. It is just outright shameful. Is yeah. What it is. Somebody picked some low hanging fruit and we can cut four million here. I, I don't even know. Like, they probably spent four million on renovating the bathrooms in the, the parliament building. Like, this is ridiculous. Four million dollars is nothing in terms of spending, government spending. Like, I, I I would be, I bet you you could we could come up with such innocuous stupid programs that are in existence that cost way more than four million dollars. But when it comes to like, you know, Braille books, well, let's just cut the funding. Ridiculous. Yeah. Okay. Well, before we go too far down the ranch rabbit hole, um, let's go ahead and and bring on our guests. All right. So, ladies, welcome to AT Banter. I am Ryan. And joining me in the room today are Steve Barclay. I have coffee. <laughs> I am jealous. <laughs> and Mr. Rob Minot. Uh, hello, and I also do have coffee. Geez, I've only had one so far. I'm behind. <laughs> and guys, joining us are Karen McKay from CELA, or the is it the Center for Equitable Library Association, or Canadian Access. Equitable Center. Library? The Center for Equitable Library Access. It is Access. a mouthful. Excellent. All right. And also, Daniela Levy-Pinto. I hope I pronounced that properly. You did. Thanks. Excellent. From the National Network for Equitable, Equitable Library Services. Hi. Thank you. Thank you for, for joining us. So why don't we start with, um, just for anybody out there who doesn't actually really know uh, what what you guys do and the services that you guys provide, let's, let's maybe start there. Sure, I can take that. This is Karen. Um, so uh, I'm the communications manager for CELA and uh, Daniela has more hands-on experience than I do. But basically what CELA um, and also what Nels um, does is supply reading materials for people with print disabilities in a variety of accessible formats. Um, so we do that um, in very similar ways to each other, but also slightly different ways. So CELA provides materials digitally, but also we provide physical materials. So those would be things like audio CDs for use in uh, Daisy Player or other kinds of technology, um, and also physical Braille uh, and print Braille books, which uh, are, as probably you know, they are um, picture books which have Braille overlays so that um, a teacher and student or a parent and child could read those books together regardless of how they read. Uh, and so we provide those to, um, to our patrons, which are across the, the country through our member libraries and also directly through our website. Um, and I can speak uh, about the NEL side, um, as uh, we also provide uh, books in accessible formats for our readers uh, through public libraries. Um, we have a, a program that uh, produces print Braille children's books and have these uh, physical copies uh, in libraries across the country, um, and this is important for inclusive reading. Um, we also work with publishers um, on the Braille side for uh, to help them produce um, simultaneous releases, um, the Braille format at the same time of production, uh, of release of the file. Um, we respond, Nels responds to patron requests uh, of uh, titles in uh, in the format that they may need. Nels employs people with lived experience of print disability to actually assess um, the accessibility of files and reading applications. So um, that's... Uh, that's the user perspective that uh, that we provide. So, as Karen said, we uh, we do similar things, um, but also do things a bit uh, differently as well. So it sounds like you like how much of a hand do you have in, say, taking something like a you know like a a, a book of fiction that's that's new and making that into a a braille book. 
Like, do you guys do the brailing or is that something that you, you assist the, the actual publisher in producing that, that braille copy? So uh, we do the brailing uh, thanks to funding and then um, we, we do hire the transcribers to do the brailing. Um, a lot of the time what happens with uh, publisher files is that they are not uh, ready to be read with a refreshable braille display. Um, so human intervention, I mean, human work is needed, and uh, and that's what we do. We uh, we don't do it automatically. We do it with uh, human transcribers uh, to ensure that uh, everything is accurate and, and up to standards. Um, yeah. Well, and it sounds like that's that's a, a fairly involved process, and maybe that's that's something that a lot of people don't really realize. I think that that people maybe think, and I'm probably guilty of this, that it's just the, the, the act of taking a, a digital file of, of a book and turning that into Braille would be a fairly straightforward process. But it sounds like that's not necessarily the case because it sounds like there needs to be human hands in that and there needs to be um, some conversion process involved in there. Indeed, um, and this is not only time-consuming, but it's it's also not cheap. Right. Um, and the the funding does allow us to do that. And uh, Braille, as we know, is is essential for literacy, and um, it's a, a specific need that uh, would not be addressed by uh, by industry. Precisely because a lot of uh, intervention and formatting needs to happen. Uh, to the files so that they work well uh, for Braille readers. Um, so we should also point out that, to, too, that this is a free service that you offer to users. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. And the same for Stila. It's free to users. And so let's let's talk about the funding. How long has Stila and Nels been in existence and been receiving funding through the government? Uh, so this, this, our stories are a little bit different. So CELA was established in 2014 and it was spun off essentially from the CNIB library. Um, and so previously the funding for this service was provided via charity by people donating to that, um, as well as with some government funding. So when we were established as our, our own entity, um, we started to pursue different areas of funding. We still received some funding as we were separating from CNIB from the, the funds they received from the federal government. But then um, just two years ago, I believe it was, we were able to begin receiving the funding directly from the federal government. So that's the $4 million that we're talking about that's in jeopardy of being cut or has been announced that it's been cut. Um, so that represents about 65% of CELA's budget and then we receive funding in a couple of other ways um, the federal or the provincial offices often uh, fund us we're funded by a number of provinces across the country and then there's also some areas where we are funded directly by libraries they subscribe to our services so it's a little convoluted it's not an easy answer to that question um, but the federal funding that we're talking about the the funds that are in jeopardy that uh, money goes directly towards the production and the distribution of accessible materials. The other funding from the provinces are more about how we support our library service. So that runs the, you know, the digital downloads and that sort of thing that we need to do. Um, the administration, all of that kind of thing is funded out of our provincial funding, but the materials that we provide are funded out of the federal funding. And Daniela, will it impact Nels the same way that it's impacting Sila? Right. Uh, so I, I can offer a little bit of history as well. Um, so Nels uh, started in or was created in late 2013 um, by a group of libraries um, that wanted uh, to ensure that public libraries would have um, would have more hands-on uh, service for their users. These, uh, this group of libraries, um, the NELS creators, uh, um, fund the uh, operations in terms of um, ma maintaining the repository of books, 
but some of the production is also covered uh, by provincial uh, the provincial partners. Not all provinces um, have NELS uh, services. Um, most provinces do. And yeah, so some of the production, especially for um, ebooks, is um, covered by the provincial partners. Now, uh, the, the federal funding that we are also talking about, uh, st um, NELS started getting it in uh, 2018, importantly, to, uh, to expand services, to expand the range of formats that NELS could produce. So uh, NELS started working with Braille and Audio after uh, receiving this funding. Um, also, this funding has allowed NELS to work more closely with publishers precisely to help them um, become better able to, to produce accessible, uh, born accessible content. So a lot of, or all this work uh, is, or would be affected. Uh, also, um, NELS is, is creating videos and tutorials and materials to uh, provide information to users on how to use different reading applications. And so it's, um, there are several projects that uh, would, would be uh, affected if funding is lost. Right, and that funding is $4 million to be basically gone within the next four years, is that correct? Yeah, the government's planning to reduce it by $1 million each year until it yeah. is fully withdrawn in the year 2024, 2025. Um, so that $4 million is split between SELA and NEL. So essentially our, mm -hmm. our budgets, are, each of our budgets are being cut by 25% for the federal money um, each year until there's, there's no money left for production for, for SELA stuff. Right. And so back, I think, in 2018, this this popped up as well, did it not, that there was talk that the government was going to cut the funding? Yes, it did. And um, at that point, SELA was still working with CNIB uh, with regards to the funding. And so um, that funding was restored very quickly once the media caught wind of it, essentially. <laughs> right. they, this, the funding was restored. Um, within a few hours, we'd received notice of that. So um, the other thing to sort of to bring into this piece is that the, the government in 2018 signed the Marrakesh Treaty, right. which um, also essentially, uh, you know, they, they committed to not only folks in Canada, but around the world to be providing print materials for people with print disabilities. Right. And, uh, you know, by cutting this funding, they're withdrawing their, their yeah. support of that uh, and, and pushing it on to um, other funding sources, be that industry or uh, provinces or municipalities. Um, and, and really that's going to introduce a level of inequity back into the system that, you know, that SELA and NELS have been working very hard to, to eradicate over the past number of years. Yeah. So the, the federal funding, uh, yeah, we're, we, we were kind of scratching our heads a little bit about the withdrawal of the federal funding because it doesn't make sense on a lot of different fronts. Who, who in government is responsible for the decisions to, to cut this funding? So um, we're funded through Minister Qualtro's office, Carla Qualtro, and her um, her office title keeps changing, but it's Workforce. Daniela, <laughs> do you remember the name of it? It's, um, um, I'm just going to look it up. I should have had oh, that on my screen. Yeah, um, the title. <laughs> yeah, Employment, Workforce Development, and Disability Inclusion. That's the name of her ministry. Hmm. So she's responsible for the funding for, uh, for Sila and Nels for this project. Um, there was also some funding available through Heritage Canada, which is kind of a different thing, and it's supporting publishers, and Daniela probably can speak more to that than I can. Um, but the sort of the, the sad piece is that all of this funding that was um, put in place to support accessible funding is all drying up at the same time. And the, uh, you know, the, the onus is being pushed to other entities other, other than the federal government. And as I said earlier, that introduces um, inequities into the system that we really, we need to move past, right? All Canadians, all Canadian residents should have access to materials that they um, that they can read. And if government needs to support components of that because there's not a place in the market for that to be done efficiently and effectively and cost-effectively, um, then you know the government has made this commitment, the federal government has made this commitment through Marrakesh to, to provide these materials. Uh, it's also, you know, it calls into um, 
into question human rights issues. Um, you know that we know they signed on to the developmental um, uh, points through the UN, and so you know one of that is education and having access to the resources that you need for education. So there's lots and lots of layers to this question. Um, but really, if people want to get in touch with somebody, it's Carla Qualtro who's making the the decision on this. And also um, we're asking people to get in touch with Christia Freeland as well um, because her, you know, her, her portfolio also influences this one. Yeah, I, I can speak um, more about the heritage funding or the funding that uh, how accessible publishing uh, is, is working. So um, in 2019, the federal government uh, allocated uh, $22.8 million uh, in five years for accessible publishing. So this would be to work directly with publishers to um, create awareness, teach them about accessibility and uh, build capacity for them to create born accessible content. Um, so uh, to, we are on year two, uh, about to start year three, year three of that initiative. Um, Nels has uh, been working with uh, publishers uh, in, in a lot of uh, helping them with a lot of uh, the work, knowing that uh, Canadian independent publishers, I mean, uh, working with them, it is clear that um, there is a lot for them to do. A lot of them uh, will not be able to uh, create uh, born accessible content. And I'm, I'm only talking about, for example, e-books by, by uh, the time when the heritage funding is supposed to, uh, uh, to end as well. We know that not only publishers will not likely be able to, uh, to produce all the content they create born accessible, but also these other materials does not, there's, there's not a commercial incentive for them to produce. Right. What's going to happen with, with all of these? And we know uh, that publishers can't. So um, publishers have, uh, have also been very supportive uh, of our campaign. They value the, the work they recognize. They will not be able uh, to fill all the gaps uh, for accessible reading, for people with a broad range of print disabilities. And so this announcement from the government was made last week and the media outlets, CBC has done interviews, AMI, Global, you know, we're, we're broadcasting this as, as well. It's been out on Twitter, Facebook. Uh, has the government approached you guys yet to enter into any sort of negotiations or is, are they, have they gone silent? Um, so we have we started advocating with the government as soon as the announcement was made back in part in um, December as part of the fall economic statement. So we've been having ongoing conversations with them. Um, but uh, as of yet, um, we have not been presented with um, with any kind of of resolution. Um, you know, the these these processes unfortunately often are slow and a bit onerous and there's a bit of um, gamesmanship in it yeah. uh, with regards to how these things play out. But um, what I, what I can tell you is that, you know, we're continuing to, to advocate um, that we are seeing a lot of uh, response to the advocacy campaign. We're hearing lots of um, letters are being passed on from our, our patrons, from our users, um, from their family members, um, and we've gotten lots of support from other outside organizations. Um, learning disability organizations are on board and are writing letters. Letters are going out from libraries. Um, we've had, you know, response from authors and publishers. So there's a, a groundswell of awareness, which is um, which is fabulous. And I'm sure there's lots of MPs that are doing their research now about what accessible book publishing <laughs> means because of all the phone calls that they're getting into their into their offices. We are hopeful. We know that Carla Qualtro has been a, a great advocate of um, people with disabilities in the past, and uh, you know, um, up until this situation, uh, we we have been quite pleased with how she had advocated, not, not just only for, for CELA users, but more broadly for the disability community. And so we're hopeful that um, that she's working behind the scenes to try and turn this ship around a little bit because, 
you know, $4 million for the federal government in the context of, of their broad budget and in the context of what that money represents and how um, valuable it is to a, a wide number of Canadians. And we, there's estimated one in 10 Canadians with print disabilities. That $4 million is, is a, you know, a drop in the bucket. I'd love them to drop it into my bank account, but that's not going to happen. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's not a lot of money in the context of a, of a federal government budget. And so, um, so we're hopeful, but we, we don't have any great news to share um, right now. Well, and Carla herself has a vision impairment. So hopefully <laughs> she's part of the community. She's advocating, you know, hard and strong to the people above her. Yeah, I, I would hope so. Um, you know, she, she has been a friendly face in the past, and I'm sure that this is a very painful um, yeah. decision for her. Like, I don't think it's one that she's taken mm-hmm. lightly or unadvisedly. Um, I do think that there's, you know, that there needs to be a, a broader conversation about how we have sustainable funding for these sorts of services, which are not commercially viable, which um, again, if we, you know, if we push them down onto different levels of government or into different um, funding models would introduce inequity, like I said before. And so, you know, there's a role for the federal government here. um, And Daniela can speak more because she's more involved with the publishers, but we know that publishers are paying attention. We know that they're making efforts to um, create more books in a born accessible way. Um, But, you know, there's, they're also dealing with all of the issues with COVID, all the resource issues that have come from that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's lots of layers at play here. And so to withdraw this funding now, this year, um, without really a solid plan for how we're going to serve folks with print disabilities going forward, especially Braille readers mm-hmm. in particular. Um, yeah, we just, we're scratching our heads a little bit. Yeah, and uh, since we work closely with publishers, um, we really know they are, it's very encouraging and very, uh, it's great to see them working hard and trying to make, uh, trying to do the best they can for creating accessible content, but they are also, I mean, not not only dealing with the impacts of the pandemic and and, uh, having to adjust internally, there is also a lot of variety of materials and it's not as simple as as, uh, producing now everything uh, uh, by decree. Uh, For example, books with a lot of images need different treatment. Publishers don't have yet expertise on creating image descriptions for that content. So there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. Um, Also important to to remember that uh, the industry-based solution would only apply to Canadian independent publishers that uh, go through heritage uh, or or are funded federally through, uh, through heritage. This would not apply to uh, international publishers or multinational publishers. So what happens with, with that content? Um, it's, there are so many um, pieces and there's so much content that uh, would, would likely fall through the cracks. So um, by ensuring that uh, both uh, Nelson and Sila can continue to operate, um, it uh, it ensures more of an equitable reading landscape for everyone, regardless of province, regardless um, of economic status. Also, a commercial solution, of course, means that um, people need to pay for for that yeah. uh, for that content. Um, and in a community of people where in which unemployment is so high, this is also an issue. Um, another issue that uh, both Nels and Sila um, uh, are, are very important uh, for is reaching that content, reaching that accessible content. We know that reading platforms um, used in public libraries, they're not necessarily accessible with assistive technologies, with screen readers, uh, for example. Um, so until all of that, all of those pieces have a solution. Yeah. Um, we we feel that uh, it is really important to ensure that there will be continued support. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I have to say that, you know, being being outside of, of all of that, um, in terms of like not really being sort of an insider into the, the what the government's been doing and what they and how the funding has gone like I'm I'm shocked I, I'm shocked that they're doing this and, and I'm I, I mean especially in the in the age of you know, the accessible Canada Act and the Marrakesh Treaty all these pieces that were falling into place in terms of really being able to to create this idea of, a, of an equitable landscape to pull the plug on this funding it seems so counterintuitive and and i have to agree like as a taxpayer like four million dollars that's a you're absolutely right that's a drop in the bucket like form in fact they should triple the funding because uh you know like the stat on on the website is you know fewer than one in ten books are be are, are able to be produced in an accessible format um that's not even acceptable um you know, it, it it's it's it is. It just it shocks me that this is happening. And frankly, as as somebody who for years has really been a, an advocate for Braille literacy, it it's it's extremely frustrating. Yeah, we would echo all of that. Um, and if you wanted to give Carla Qualtro a call and say that, that would be awesome. Um, I definitely will. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it it is. Uh, you know, it's it is a bit disheartening in in the face of, you know, knowing that only one in ten books are accessible. I, I had a, a conversation with a patron the other day around this um, and the impact of this, and I said, you know, without these federal funds, we would not be able to have produced. Um, the, the books for Canada Reads, which is happening right now, which is a national conversation about the one book that all Canada should read. I mean, that's their sort right. of their tagline. And so that would leave folks out of that national conversation. And those books are, you know, they're selected to, to reflect Canadian experience and they're selected to reflect um, a variety of stories and to be inclusive and to, for us to say to folks, I'm sorry, we can't, you know, we, we don't, we don't have the funds to make this happen in the timeline that it needs to happen. Um, we don't have the support from the government to make it happen. You can't be part of that conversation is heartbreaking. Yeah. Right. And it flies in the face of everything that we are learning right now about equity, equity, equity and diversity and inclusion right. and all of those things that the government itself has championed um, as part of, you know, not only including folks with disabilities more yeah. broadly in our in our society, but just everyone, making sure that everybody has a place and a voice and the resources they need to succeed. And so, you know, this is it, it's a it's a technical issue in some areas. It's a conversation that we need to have with a variety of people. But at its core, it's really about do we want to make sure that everybody can be included? And when you when you break it out in those sorts of terms, in that kind of framework, you know, it's an easy yes. And uh, we are hopeful that the government will see it that way, too, yeah. given the amount of, uh, you know, the amount of funds really is not substantial. And there's, you know, there's a case to be made. We know that um, materials available to, to folks in accessible formats helps them with their education and right. helps them with their economic prospects. It helps them in their career development. Um, it helps them in social inclusion, like, for example, with the Canada Reads, which speaks to um, ensuring that they have connections and there's mental health components in there. And so those $4 million, you know, as an expense are probably offset by a huge number of economic yeah. and financial benefits, sure. right, to make sure that these um, that everybody has access to these sorts of things, that they can succeed. You know, we, we had a comment from a lawyer the other day on Twitter who said that um, the materials that he was able to access in accessible formats, uh, you know, helped him be successful in his career. He's a blind lawyer. And, uh, you know, you think, okay, well, this, this gentleman's probably paying, you know, reasonable amount of taxes. He's probably contributing exponentially back to the community in non-financial terms. And so, you know, the, there are other supports for other areas in the government, and you think, okay, they, you know, they measure those in economic payoffs, which yeah. is fair given that it's a financial um, situation. But, you know, there are financial arguments to be made about this is yeah. important. There's also social ones, and there's just basic humanity ones. Like, let's include folks. Let's make sure that everybody can succeed. Let's give them a level playing field and a platform on which they can become you know, contributing members of society that they can be successful, they can be healthy. And, and so we're just, we're hopeful the government will will look at it in those terms rather than in 
raw financial terms. Well, I think I'm going to start a campaign. I, I'm bl totally blind myself. And so I think the campaign I'm going to start is if the government is going to consider cutting the funding to a library service that affects millions of people, my campaign is I'm going to reach out to all the blind, visually impaired, print impaired people out there and say, don't pay your taxes this year. Let's give it to Sealand Nels. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I would do that. Right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't think jail terms is really what we're going for. Here. <laughs> Sometimes it takes a protest. You got to stand up for what's right. Well, it is, it is super frustrating when you look at other decisions this government is making. You know, they're spending $12 billion on a pipeline right now, <laughs> and they can't find four for, for yeah. a service that, that really does serve a lot of Canadians mm -hmm. very, very well. It's crazy. Well, and even if we take a step back, like, you know, it, knocking on wood, there'll be a solution quickly mm -hmm. with this. Right. Um, but what we don't want to see is that it comes through as part of a stopgap measure. You know, it's right. we're restoring funding for a year or whatever. <laughs> right. We need to have we need to have yes. a sustainable funding formula. And we know that industry wants to step up and that, you know, that there are other players that need to come to the table. But the, you know, the, this situation where every year or every other year we're having to light everybody's hair on fire in order to maintain our funding is just yeah. not sustainable. No. It's not great for the community. You know, it, it's not great for our ability to plan longer term. Um, it's not great for, for publishers because they don't know which way is up with regards to what they need to do for accessibility. So, uh, you know, I, we would be grateful to make sure that, you know, if we receive word that there's there's funding sustained for the next year. Um, but what we really need is a long-term commitment that's honored by all levels of government and also, you know, across all parties, uh, uh, federal mm -hmm. parties, that they're committed and that they understand the value of this, which is why it's so important that we have so many folks writing their MPs yeah. and educating them about this, but also, you know, really drawing this awareness for the broader public, which is definitely happening that we're seeing on, you know, the media coverage and we're definitely seeing through our Twitter feeds and that sort of thing. Um, because, you know, when you explain this to folks, um, they're like, wow, this doesn't make any sense at all. And it really does not. And so if people were interested in sending letters, do you have sample letters that people can download and fill out on your websites? Sela does. Uh, so if you go to selalibrary.ca, uh, right on our on our front page there, you can link out to our advocacy page, and it's got sample letters for and to write to your MPs. It's got speaking notes if you want to make a phone call. Um, it's got um, right. social media materials that you can download. Um, we've got some question and answers there for some of the questions that we're getting from folks. And I think um, I think Nels has something simpler, similar, don't they, Daniela? Yes, uh, we also have an advocacy page. Uh, so it's Nels N N E L S dot C A. And then there's uh, there's the advocacy page there, um, and there are also sample letters and uh, more information about the about what this means and the campaign, um, some media stories as well. Right. Yeah. The messages that we're trying to to really hit on are uh, how important it is for people to write their MPs because that's what's going to, to you know to to turn yeah. this around. Uh, but also, as I said earlier, it's going to provide some education for people that maybe aren't completely aware of this issue, um, and that our goal is in our conversations with the government is to not just you know restore funding now under public pressure but to help sila yeah. and nels and the publishing industry come up with a plan and provide sustainable funding so that we are not in this situation in an ongoing basis we are happy to work with publishers and with the government um, you know we want to find ways to make these resources available to to more folks more easily uh, more consistently with higher quality all of those sorts of things are, are part of our goals but we need government help to make that happen i would completely echo that um so what people can do is continue writing to their mps or you know contacting their mps um and expressing support for this um we are hopeful but uh, we need uh, to raise our voices together and um, make very, uh, very clear that uh, these services matter for equitable reading. You know, we're certainly going to encourage every single one of our listeners to do just that. But guys, I just want to say thank you so much for all the work that you guys are doing in this regard. And you guys are fighting the good fight 
fingers crossed that, you know, we can reverse this. And I think that hopefully there maybe will be a silver lining in, in the sense that it will bring to the forefront and spotlight the importance of these services and, and the, you know, and the fact that we, we need to do the opposite of cutting the funding. We need to actually increase the funding and, and you're right, you know, get, get some sort of a plan together. Well, from, from your lips to Carla Qualtro's ears, please. <laughs> Come on, Carla. <laughs> yeah. Guys. Um, and thank, thank you so much for, for hosting us and for letting us talk about this issue and for raising the, the issue with your, your listeners because really we need um, we need cross the board support and we're so grateful that you're helping us share this message. Yes, thank you so much. Um, I it, we're we're very grateful for for the platform and um, and for your support. Thank you so much. Awesome, thanks. So, thanks so much, guys. Best of luck, and uh, hopefully we can have you guys on at a future date and talk about all the great new great funding eagles. that you got. <laughs> That would be wonderful. We would love to come back. Hopefully with great news. Yes. Yes. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thanks again. Thanks again. Bye-bye. Have a good day. Bye-bye. You as well. Bye. Take care. Oh man, this is so, this is so frustrating. You guys, (laughs) I'm so, I'm angrier now after the interview. Well, I think Karen was saying that, you know, with this funding cut, that's 65% of their, I guess operating budget to produce books in alternative format for their patrons. Well, yeah, that's a big chunk. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. Without it, without a plan in place, if this funding gets pulled, I mean, they're they're pretty much sunk. Yes. I, I don't know how you can operate with that huge of a chunk out of your your operating budget. Yeah, you've got staff. You've got, you've got transcribers to pay. You've got maintenance on on braille printers. You know because they're converting books into braille and, and alternate alternate formats that all takes time and and people to do that it's not done you know using machine learning or anything like that so well, yeah it's it's going to be detrimental to the service and i think that what a lot of people don't understand and i i have to say that i'm i have been guilty of this before is that they don't really understand what the process is to take a a, a book and to turn that into an alternate format, whether that's large print or if it's Braille, um, that's a that's quite the process. And you can't you like to make that into some sort of a commercial model. Like, come on, like that would mean that probably to produce a Braille book and then to pass that expense on to say a consumer. I mean, a, a thirty dollar book would probably cost somebody what two hundred dollars. Yeah, I don't know. I, you know, there was, I think, and Steve, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't it used to be, or I guess it still probably is, that one print page almost equated to like four Braille pages? So, yeah. you know, if you if you think yeah, of like books. buying a print book from chapters, that's, you know, I don't know, 200 pages. Well, convert that into a Braille book that now gets mailed out to a patron who wants that book in Braille. There's time involved to produce that book. It has to be reformatted. It has to be transcribed. Yeah. Everything has to be aligned. Like it's it's not just a, entered into Word or Duxbury and hit print. No. This is a time-consuming process, yeah. labor-intensive process. Yeah. Somebody who's able-bodied, you can just you can go to the library, browse the books, pick whatever you want. You take it out. You can go read it for free. That's just it's not- what what a public library does yeah that's right and so <laughs> next time you know go to your public library and go try to find a braille book it's not even just braille you know like let's say i don't know stephen king comes out with a new book tomorrow you know sure i could probably go and get that on kindle or audible or some of the other services but there are people who need books in a specific format whether it's human narration whether it's daisy text daisy audio braille these guys are providing a service of providing books in so many different formats that nobody else gives you access to. Yeah. So you may have dexterity problems. You can't swipe and tap on your tablet, or maybe you're not computer literate. You need the Braille format, or you have a Daisy player. Like, there's nobody else doing this. These guys need a, a sustainable funding model. Well, and I thought that that was a really interesting point too, because you know, if you if you look at the big picture, like the government tried to do this in 2018. So what happened? Big public pushback. So they blinked. They said, "Oh nope, JK, JK, here you go, <laughs> funding back." 
Um, and then here we are, you know, three years downstream and they just do it again. So yeah. it's clear to me that this is not something that they consider a priority. And one of my fears is that, okay, they'll blink again this time, but then two years ago, they'll just, they're just going to keep doing this until they're eventually, you know, they, they wear people down and they, they just manage to do it without that much of a public backlash. Like, I don't know what the big picture plan for them is, but like, this is this, it just seems insane to me that they are doing this, you know, a couple of years after passing this accessible Canada act that we made such a huge big deal about how, you know, we want, we want Canada to be in, you know, a, a fully accessible country. Like what a joke. Like you can't even throw $4 million at, you know, providing a, a alternate access to, to the basic fundamental reading. Like that's insane. Hey, did you know the prime minister has an official country residence at Harrington Lake, Quebec? Did you know that? No, I didn't know. Yeah, it's being renovated right now. Guess how much is being spent on renovations? Ooh, ooh, uh, hmm. $25 million. $8.6 million. Oh, my yeah. God. They can find $8.6 million to renovate a, a residence that the prime minister, I think, spent Easter in once. <laughs> but they can't find $4 million for a library uh. service that serves hundreds of thousands of Canadians. Oh my God. I, I just, I, yeah, it's, it's ludicrous. And, you know, I, I've mentioned this on previous shows, but you know, I, I have to try, I, I think, and dig deeper to try and get somebody from the government or somebody who's helped developing the standards for the successful Canada act, because okay. really, you know, it has been passed, but right now I don't, I have no idea what that act contains. I know standards are being looked at now boards are being set up you know is literacy going to be a part of this no. accessible canada act and you know there's there's just so many unknown questions as to why this is still a discussion yeah and i mean you have to remember the accessible canada act was is really the only thing that was in there was just you know basically making federal government services more accessible right it did nothing in terms of like anything else and at the point it was passed yes and you know yeah. and yes they were talking about making like these special minister positions which as we found out uh last week when we talked to mike gifford like a lot of those positions haven't even been filled yet like they right it's we're, it, it's so you know obviously i don't know i like i don't want to be too cynical about this but it even at the time at the when when the accessible Canada Act was passed, we were talking about well, geez, I really hope that this isn't just a PR stunt or this is just just mm -hmm. you know a lot of a lot of smoke and mirrors. Gee, it really feels like that could be the case because I don't know, I don't get the feeling that accessibility and inclusion and equity is really all that much of a priority right now. It certainly doesn't seem like it. Nope. Well, there you go. But like I said, like hopefully what this does is that hopefully the pushback on this and let me get, okay. So anybody who is listening to this podcast, I, we demand you to reach out, contact your MP. I don't care. Open your window and stick your head out the window and scream about this. Like this is bullshit. I, I think that if you have any sort of skin in the game, and even if you don't, even if you're able-bodied or whatever, and you have any sort of an interest in making the world a better place, this is a really, really important issue. Like this is, we're not just talking about, you know, being able to read uh, the newest Stephen King book uh, in Braille. It goes far beyond that. Like the implications of this is it's going to affect Braille literacy because people can't be Braille literate if they can't actually access any books that are brailled. Uh, well, parents parents may not even be able to read stories to their children because these braille slash print books won't be available. Yeah. Uh, and that in, in turn is going to impact braille literacy, which is going to turn uh, impact things like the employability of somebody yeah. because if they're not braille literate, they're much less likely to be employed farther down the line like this the implications of this are really far-reaching getting this funding back is really important but also 
putting the spotlight on how important this the work that Sela and Nels is doing, it, it, like that really needs to be highlighted as well. And we need more funding, not less funding. All the information you need is on the Sela and Nels website. We'll put it in the show notes. We'll put the right. links to them. Get out there, contact your MP. Let's turn this boat around. All right. So, Rob. Yes. Where can people find us? Uh, oh. They can find us online <laughs> at www.atbanter.com. They can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Oh, he's what? That's Twitter. my life. He's throwing, he's throwing the curveballs <laughs> today. Okay. That leaves, the, that leaves the email address, Steve. Email address is cowbell at atbanter.com. Well done, sir. Man, man. All right. Okay. So, and, and hang on, hang yes, on. Yes. Before we go here, I yes. think it is, it's important to mention, uh, as they said, contact Carla Qualtro, the minister in charge. Uh, there's two ways to contact Carla. And please be respectful and specific in your ask to Carla. Uh, she can be reached by mail for free, no postage required when you're mailing an MP. It is Carla Qualtro, House of Commons, Ottawa, Ontario, K1AOA6, or email her at carla.qualtro uh, at parl, as in parliament, parl.gc.ca. And if you don't know how to spell Qualtro, because uh, who it's does? Tough, it's tricky. Uh, it is Q-U-A-L-T-R-O-U-F. And again, be respectful. Wait, O-U-F? Really? Oh, no, sorry. <laughs> what? I guess that coffee hasn't kicked Let's in. Let's try that again. <laughs> and if you don't know how to spell Qualtro, which clearly I do not, it is Q-U-A-L-T-R-O-U-G-H. Excellent. All right, that is going to about do it for us this week. <laughs> thanks, everybody, for listening in. Uh, big thanks to Karen and Daniela for joining us. Uh, once again, encourage everybody to reach out to their MPs. And we will see everybody next week. Bye-bye. This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H dot com. Or call us toll-free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com.